I mean, this is our Thursday afternoon probate weekly, where we get together every Thursday, 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And the goal, I want to kind of cover the goal and the name, why it's there. Uh, the goal is it's a weekly meeting, hopefully people in real estate, to help each other, like a mastermind group. I'm not selling any data. I'm not selling any coaching. What I'm selling on is that this is the greatest opportunity in your lifetime to make income and or wealth in real estate. And that probate is either a tool along the way you have to learn or a gateway to riches, which has been for me over the last couple of years. And so we get together, we have real estate agents from across the country, investors, wholesalers, we get petitioners, executors, administrators, we get attorneys from time to time. The idea is to get together and share challenges, problems, vendors, best practices, and help each other in our business along the way. So thank you for being here. We do stream it live to YouTube and Facebook as well as record it and send it out afterwards. And, and again, we want to engage people. And really, I would say if you're watching it live on one of those channels, we also pick up your comments. And in the chat box here within uh, those who are live on YouTube, we'll get your comments as well. But I want to emphasize a couple of things. I, first off, the more you participate in anything in life, the more you get out of it. The more you give, the more you get. You know, I get asked a lot, why do I do this call? In fact, it's funny, when, I, when you register, um, I try to call everybody who registers within a couple of days, or I'm a little behind right now, but I, I've, you know, to date, called most of the 2,000 people who've signed up over the last year. And what's funny is, I say, well, why are you calling? You're just trying to recruit me, sell me, and, I, and I'm not. I mean, I'd like, I, of course, I want to sell a lot of houses. Of course, I'd like to have people build my team. But I do this call to give information because I get back more than I could ever give. And that's where I try to come from, and I try to encourage you all to take the same approach. If you're here today to get something out of it, it's nice, you're welcome. But if you're here to help other people, and my first mentor in business was Zig Ziglar. He said, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. So I would, I would encourage you, turn your camera on, unmute yourself if you have a question, ask the questions. At a minimum, put a question in the chat box if you have a question. If you're watching it on YouTube or Facebook, put the chat box there. It'll pop up. I'll try to share it as well. I have some questions already that I'm ready to to get to, but just the more you participate, the more you get out of it. I want to share with you also the reason why I call it probate weekly. It's not probate daily. Well, of course, I don't do the call daily. I do do it weekly. Why not monthly or why not some other name? Because I believe in, in our business in real estate, whether you're an investor or a wholesaler looking for deals all the time, if you're full-time at it, or a real estate agent, that there's certain daily activities you have to do and certain weekly activities you have to do. One of the weekly activities is get together with your team, whether it be your mentor or coach or your employees, and evaluate the progress you're making or not, and make the appropriate changes in your business that you need to make. And so I really, I use this event to force myself to look at my numbers every week with my team member, to evaluate where we are, and try to use this call to move in that direction and help my business. So I'm gonna urge you guys to do the same, but this is really meant to be interactive. It's meant to support your business, and it, I don't really have anything to sell. I don't have any coaching program or, or data or anything like that. So again, I want to urge you to participate. Um, also, I want to say that I, I offer, anybody who wants to, um, I offer for free. Uh, we can talk about your business. You can click on uh, my calendar and set right in my calendar an appointment if you want to, zoomwithbillg.com, zoomwithbillg.com. And the purpose of that is what I would say a 40,000 foot view of your business. Now, you know, I, I can't, for free coach somebody one-on-one. -on -one. And I don't want to do it and charge money to do it. 
Um, I'm glad to have you ask, ask any questions you want on this call. The purpose of the call is to say, where's your business, where do you want to go, and what do you need to do to get there at a more global level? And so I'd say, feel free to sign up. Now, sometimes people ask me, well, can I give them this or that or this or that? And there's a limit. But basically, I'll give you whatever insights I can. I'll share with you what I feel comfortable uh, sharing with you. But the idea would be to help you get a clear sense of where you are, where you need to go. And I would break these calls, and I do these about three or four a week currently. And I would say I break them into two groups of people. One is I'm a brand new agent. And what I'd say to you is, I don't think as a brand new agent, you should focus on listings. I think you should focus on the buyer side or listings from your past client instead of the influence list. That's where probably comes into play because you can learn that content and share it with people that you know. New people often are scared. I don't want to talk to people I know. I'm scared to do that. That's the business we're in. And the other one I get is experience agent who has a good business. They're not going to spend time to really lead, generate, and probate. And I tell them, well, bolt on one or two pieces. I teach 11 different ways that you can get a sale or a listing in real estate in probate. I'm going to cover one of those today. And you can take one of those 11 and bolt it on your current business, do what you're doing that's working to a degree, add one or two or three of the other items to help you go to the next level. So it's not meant to say, turn your whole business into lead generation for probate. I don't teach how to take a listing. I don't teach filling out the contracts. That's something I suppose you already know how to do or your company can teach you. Or if you join my company, XP, we have other people that teach you those things. I'm here to say, if you have people you know that like you and, and trust you, if you can learn about living trust, probate, how to avoid probate, how to get tenants out of probate property. Some of those fundamentals, you'll be a value to customers and they'll turn to you with questions that will lead to business for you. That's the goal of what we want to accomplish today. So, um, okay, Frank, that's okay. No, no camera, no problem, no judgment. And Winston, always nice to see you and thank you for your encouragement. Winston Harris, nice to see you. It's been a little while. Thank you, nice to see you on the call. So I wanted today, what I, one of the things I teach on a regular basis is what I call the 11 ways there's 11 ways to buy probate. We covered that a couple weeks ago, or last week, when I was in Florida. There's 11 ways you can make money in probate. I covered that about a month ago. And there's 11 different ways you can get a listing in probate. And so today I want to cover one of those 11 ways, which is number four, uh, which is MLS full authority. Now, <clears throat> again, companies that sell you the data teach you really only two ways to get business. Market to petitioners, which are executors or administrators, so you can postcard them or call them, they'll sell you the data to do that, or to the attorneys, which is a little harder way to go. Both those are valid, but they're not the only two ways. And so one of the other ways is number four, MLS full authority. What does that mean? Well, obviously MLS is multiple listing service. Full authority is a concept we use in California. It's also in other states, meaning you can buy the property, you don't need court approval to sell the property. Now California, I should say specifically LA County, we have about 50 cases a month of properties for sale that the court has to approve out of maybe 500 probate cases, about 10%. So 90% do not need court approval. And really, they're like any other sale. The form is a little different, number one. So if you're an agent or your customer, the, the documents are a little different. Number two, in order to close escrow, the probate estate, the seller, will have to notice to all interested parties, they plan to sell the property and the price. And it's possible that one of the parties might object. 
Other than that, and I would say 99% of the time, a, a probate file or probate property with full authority does not need court approval is like a regular MLS. However, some agents avoid them because they don't know what it means with this probate or they had a bad experience or the brokers trained them to avoid probate because it was easier for the broker to tell them that than to teach them how to use the forms. And I always say the opposite. If there's an obstacle, I would learn how to get over the obstacle. That leaves my competition behind the obstacle and I'm over it. Does that make sense? If you're up for learning how to get over obstacles to build your business, say I or put the chat box me. Right? If you're willing to get over obstacles, here's what I tell you in, in real estate. We get paid to solve problems. So the problem with the properties is a probate and, and buyers are scared to get involved with it and you're not scared, there's your opportunity. That's how you make money. So a full authority property is one that doesn't require court approval. Now, in my MLS, I'm with the combined LA West side or CLAW. In our MLS, when we put a listing in, we answer two questions. Is it probate, yes or no? And does it require court confirmation, yes or no? So in my MLS, it's clear whether or not a property is probate and or needs court confirmation. And so I can go into the MLS, I can search all the properties in my MLS, let's say no court confirmation needed, and I can see them and I can, I can check them all out. Now, if you're looking to build a probate business, this is a great way to learn the product, to learn the players, to learn the wording in their remarks, and go see the properties. And if you, if you sell one of these, to meet the attorney to see the process. Now, there's a couple of possible hiccups to this. One possible hiccup is, and I was just on a, a call today with one of my colleagues from EXP. He had a property that isn't worth much. It's in Big Bear. And it's an escrow. I'm sorry, they have an offer on it. But it's below the price that the court's appraiser, called the probate referee, put on their appraisal report, called the inventory and appraisal report. And he's worried that that might be a problem. I said, no, full authority means this state has the right to sell the property to whoever they want, whatever they want unless somebody objects. Now, legally, that's all that's needed to sell a property. They can decide to sell it and sell it. In practice, this isn't legal advice, but in practice, you need title insurance to sell the property, and title insurance companies won't transfer title without a what's called notice of proposed action. What does that mean? It means the estate says, we're going to sell a property for this amount to this person on these terms, and files it with the court, basically publicly, and gets all the interested parties in the case, meaning all the other heirs, for example, or any creditors who owed money. In this case, there's a few brothers involved, and one of the brothers thinks the property should sell for 500, it's only selling for 200. So as I said to my colleague, you're gonna have to file the notice of proposed action, but there is a risk that this brother, and it might be Stupid, he might be smart, I don't know. He might object, doesn't matter if he's stupid or smart, he can object and hold up the sale. You follow me? Who doesn't follow this? Ask, jump in here if you don't follow this. I want to make this as easy as possible. It's a little complicated, but it's not really that complex. Can I unmute to ask a question? Please. Uh, my name's Chad, I'm out of Las Vegas, Nevada. So the way I understand this, just to regurgitate it since you asked. Yes. Put the offer in below. If you do that, you need to file this 
notice of proposed action that goes to the three brothers or what we might call the, the next of kin, right? Really, and we'd have to go all interested parties in the case, okay. which would include any creditors. So what happens is in a probate case, if there's any creditors, they'll file to be an interested party. So they'll be able to track what happens in the probate. So okay, so holder, we'll go to go to go to everyone. Okay, tax tax uh, taxing entities, Medicare, anybody who thinks they're owed money can file in their attorneys. And now each one of them have the right to to um, reject it, object to it, or not reject me, it, object object to it, and then it's up to the court to decide is objection reasonable or to hear that out. And and I think the issue is just the mere objection can cause a hiccup in the, in the timing, if you think about it, right? You're ready to close escrow, and then all of a sudden the title company sees an objection is filed, they're not gonna, again, legally it, may not be, it might be irrelevant, but in terms of practice, trying to get the property sold, if the title company won't give insurance, you're not gonna get the property sold, correct? Chad, is that, is that true for you? Yeah, I'm there, I'm just keeping myself on mute so I don't mess with okay. you. But you follow with that though, right? If you don't have title insurance, you're not going to close escrow. Right. You can't do anything. You can't transfer right. title. And so there are cases where an attorney has told me, well, a, a notice of proposed action isn't required in this case. And I'll say to them, you're right legally. Okay. But this isn't a, this isn't a law school exam. This is business. And the title company says they want this, this form filed. Then guess what? The form has to get filed. So this uh, is key. So which form has to get filed? You did the notice of proposed action. What's the Correct. form that gets filed after everyone goes through that process? Well, one of two things happen. Either the individual parties sign a notice that they got the proposed action. They got mm -hmm. the notice, right? So Chad, if I was your, if I was, uh, let's say uh, on your case, you might come to me and say, hey, Bill, if you're okay with it, can you sign this document that we gave you notice? I say, yeah, I noticed it. So we're fine, we're good. You can close whenever you want. And as soon as you have all the notices, if everybody agrees, then you can close right away. But the top company is going to say, well, there's eight parties and seven signed notices. They got it. But the eighth one, we have to wait a certain number of days to give people a reasonable time to object. But they, so can, this, for, they can forfeit that with the days then, right? Once correct. It's yeah. Correct. They have a certain amount of time after which they lose their rights to object. You're exactly right. So the, to expedite things, you can go to all the parties, but you run the risk. And that's the case in this case, that this brother is kind of crazy. Maybe there's drugs involved or alcohol. He's been in and out of jail. And, and my client's saying, or the, the agent, my colleague is saying, well, the problem is if we go to him with a notice of proposed action, he might be alerted to the objection if we don't bring it up to him, even though we have to by law notice him, meaning we have to mail it to a known address that's good or deliver it to him and get proof that he got it. Well, he can get it, not do anything with it for a few days, and then it's too late. But if I go give it to him that day, he has the multiple amount of time to possibly object. Does title, so, does title do this for me? I just tell title, hey, no, I got to do it personally. Well, uh, I would say generally it's done by the attorney or a paralegal or whoever's doing the probate work. Okay. Uh, now you're in Nevada, so different in Nevada. I can't speak legally, and I, I know a little bit about the process. I've done some business there, but not enough consistently to be an expert. So I call myself the LA uh, probate expert, but I don't call myself the Nevada probate expert. But these concepts are similar in, in your state as well. 
but I learned them. So uh, Frank says 15 days. Okay, well, some are 15, some are longer. It depends. There's different. Now we're going to get some nuances of how long they want to go, but generally 15 days is, is all they get. And that's the day of service, not from the date of, of mailing it out, for example. So uh, tau companies all have different policies on how long they want to wait. Here's the thing. The tau company, think about what's a tau company do? They're insuring good title. They're the ones that if for some reason this guy comes back and goes to court, they're going to have to defend it. So they're sometimes going to take a decision that says, even though we know we're right, we're still not going to insure it because we don't want to get sued either way. Even one thing my father, bless him, taught me about law is anybody can sue anybody for anything. And just the lawsuit's going to cost you money to defend. So I've had several cases where I could say to the title company, hey, by law, this isn't required. And the title company will say to me, it doesn't matter if they're required or not, we're not going to insure it. And, you know, I don't want them to lose money. I don't want them to, to be sued and have to pay out. So um, uh, that's just the nature of the, of the beast. Okay, so that's MLS full authority. And so how do you, and again, if you have questions about this, put in the chat box. Thank you, Frank, for noticing that. Um, so in the MLS full authority, what, what is the way to, to do business? Well, what I would say as, it was interesting. I just left last week, I was in Florida to see Grant Cardone's 10X real estate bootcamp. Amazing experience. I think he is a master real estate investor. Great sales trainer. You could like or not like his style and personality. He may not be your kind of entertainer. There's no question the guy has just crushed it in real estate investment over a long period of time at a really high level. And one of the things he emphasizes is that, and it's a disc that I've taken on, is that he underwrites two deals a day. Now, when he says underwrite, it's a basic calculation of income. He probably spends a few minutes, five minutes. He'll look at a, at, at, a, at a list of deals every day, but take two of them actually run calculations, how many units, income. And I'll save it for another day of how he calculates it. But my point is he looks at at least two properties, a little bit of depth every day. I, as a real estate broker, need to do the same thing. I get certain emails of certain properties, and I look at the numbers, and sometimes I'll open the file and see who the listing agent was, how long in the market, oh, that sold, what was the list price, what is the sales price, who's the buyer's agent. We need to look a little deeper and learn from the business. At the same time, I also have investors who are asking about deals every day. Where am I going to find the property? Well, one place, let me back up. When I ask professional investors where they find deals, last week I had an investor client of mine who said, can you build? Do you have any deals for me? I don't have anything. Bill, we've done anything for a little while. I'm sorry, I'm looking as hard as I can. He said to me, we bought five properties last month. I asked him where he found them. He said, well, four of the five on the MLS. Professional investors find properties on the MLS. They just look at those properties differently or go deeper than you or I do. And so one of the things you might consider if you're a real estate agent is running a search of probate properties, full 30, in the geography that you service and look at those deals twice. Number one, like any other property, there are new listings. We should look at new listings. Number two, because they're probate, if you happen to sell one, it gets you in the game. It gets you in the game without listing agent. You'll see how they do business. It gets you in the game perhaps with the attorney. So these are things that give you an extra opportunity to build your listing business by of all properties selling, selling the full uh, the MLS authority. Now, what I will say is, as a realtor, you should learn the MLS, uh, I'm sorry, the CAR forms for buying property and for listing property. And so you want to learn it both ways, both 
as a buyer's agent to do a good job for your client and as a buyer's agent to learn what the listing agent is supposed to do to be a better listing agent. So you want to download those forms and read them, review them and know them in detail. So you need to check the MLS, I think, every day or have searches <clears throat> that come to you every day. And I think those get slightly um, overlooked. And the other thing about them is, you know, this year of, I have listings coming up that were last year's buyer sites. I help buyers buy deals, they fix and flip them, and then I list them on the backside. So one good way to become a listing agent in probate is by being a good buyer's agent. Winston, I see your hand up. Yeah, thanks for taking the question, Bella. I think for clarification, let's go back to full authority, MLS. Is the notice of proposed action required or not? I can tell by face with some, some fuzziness on that, including myself. Yeah, yeah. So what I'll tell you is that attorneys will tell you, for example, if there's only one heir, that heir is the executive administrator, it's not required legally, right? I'm an administrator, why do I have to tell anybody? But when you go to close escrow, the title company is going to tell you you need it. So there's a case where legally it's not required, but the title company is going to say you're going to need it. And I, I believe, now, I don't know what title company to use, Winston. I use lawyer's title, Kevin Sales. And they'll tell me they want the notice of proposed action every single time filed with the court. Now, it's not filed through these events. They file it at some point. It uh, doesn't mean, you know, but they have to prove they gave that time to those errors they had the chance. Now you can file it with the proof of receipt of notice, right? So notice, what notice means is, imagine, uh, uh, Winston, imagine you're my fellow heir, we're cousins or brothers, I'm selling the property as a probate administrator and you're one of the heirs or maybe you're a creditor and you're involved in the case somehow. So if I file notice proposed action, I would have to file a document and, and serve you with it saying, Hey, this is what we, here's a document that we're filing and Winston, here's your copy of it. You've been noticed legally. And I can have a, um, I forget what you call it, I used to do a process server, serve it to you, right? They can come to your house. Hi, I'm Bill. Are you Winston? Great. Here's a document. And they've proven they give it to you. Or they can put certified mail if there's an address of record for you. So that's what I've noticed. Or if we're working together, I say, hey, Winston, I need this form. Can I get you to sign it right away and give it back to me? And I'll just file with the court you, your acknowledgement that you received it already. Then we have to wait for 15 days. You've already, you've already acknowledged that you got it and you're not objecting to anything. So that speeds the process up a little bit. But sometimes you have one person, if you just have one that won't go along with it, you can't file that and, and not object, right? So in this case, we had, I think, eight of uh, my client had, a colleague had eight errors and seven were on board and one's the troublemaker. And I said, well, then you're gonna have to wait the 15 days because, and, and, ho and hope he doesn't object because if he objects, you have a whole nother problem. So when you say, if you don't mind me asking, if we back up to that full authority on the MLS, where are we get, you say you're, you're uh, you know, stacking these leads uh, or properties, right? Uh -huh. I don't, I don't have, I'm not seeing that on matrix, the button. <laughs> you know, so I have to say, uh, you know, we all pay MLS fees in different areas where we belong. You know, we're members, you know, and, and uh, I do tell agents all the time that part of what you're paying for is the help desk. My experience throughout California is that the MLS help desks are great, that you can typically call and within five minutes or three minutes, somebody who's knowledgeable will answer your questions on how to find it. 
In my MLS, we have two buttons, probate yes or no, court required yes or no. Plus people put comments in the remarks section. In other MLSs, San Diego I know for sure, CRMLS I know for sure don't have those buttons and the customers will put it in the remarks, in the private remarks, not the public remarks. So you need to know in your MLS what the policy is, how you would find it, but you can search key terms in remarks uh, or, or sometimes there's also labels or flags in different MLSs. So I would contact your MLS help desk and find out in your MLS what the policy is and what, what tools they offer. Um, I know a guy in Las Vegas who does like a monthly, monthly or quarterly report. I kind of copied the idea, I do it differently, but he actually lists statistics of the activity in the courthouse uh, and both the full and limited authority. Um, another way to find out, so this one's a little more complicated, and this is one of the things I do as well, is I buy data on probate cases that don't really have the property, but then I get property MLS that lists probate and I'll cross-reference the two based on uh, you know, whatever I have, whether it be the APN or the name of the state, and then somebody have to manually go in and search and figure it out. But I end up with a list of the properties that I can, everyone I can identify by, by case. And now if I have the case number, I know, is that case full or limited authority? So we kind of work it backwards that way. But is, that's, you know, I think one of the challenges of all business is data and completion of data and cross-referencing data. I'm lucky in Los Angeles, we have a very robust MLS uh, option. And in other states, you don't. But I would say in those other jurisdictions, counties and, and other states, that's your opportunity. Because if no other agent has that information and you work and put it together, that gives you a chance to have a competitive advantage of the competition. Um, okay, I got a question here. The PR error can waive notice. Well, yeah, if it's just the personal representative and he is also or she's the heir, they can waive notice for themselves. The question is, will a title company accept that or not? And the reason why is because sometimes those creditors who might be, uh, while there's only one heir, there might be taxes due, creditors, a mortgage on the property would be a creditor. They're legally entitled to notice, even if they're gonna get paid off through the sale, you know that and I know that, but they might have some other claim that we can't imagine. So if there's any other uh, legal authority, sometimes the, heir, the only representative, the only heir borrowed uh, advanced money on his estate, they're entitled to notice. So uh, Frank, you're right, but it could be a little more complicated than just one person in Again, it doesn't matter what I think or you think or the attorney says, it's what your title rep will accept and be able to insure on, and you need to talk to them. I got a question from Joe. I'd love to hear about the process of, of a FISBO for sale by owner going through intestate affidavit with probate referee. So there's some good words there. So I think you're asking about somebody selling the house without an agent uh, through an affidavit, through a, a, a Intestate means without a will. Intestate affidavit, I'm not sure what that means, intestate affidavit, with a probate referee. Probate referee is really just a fancy term for a court-ordered appraisal. With full authority, the court-ordered appraisal is only relevant for establishing tax records and other things. With court approval, the property has to sell for at least 90% of the court's appraisal or probate referee's report. And generally, I've, I've done one below that. There's exceptions to that rule, but generally that's the case. 
When you need court approval uh, in California, you need to have a real estate agent to represent any potential buyers. Um, even if a bidder shows up, they can't bid without an agent representing them. So, um, and that's the problem with the for sale by owner is even if you want to save commissions, uh, I've had cases where uh, a for sale by owner went to court, you know, to save money in the commissions, but I bring an investor in and I get paid commissions by state law. Um, maybe a little less, maybe the same amount, um, but you're, not, you're probably not going to save more than half the commissions uh, for sale by owner. Joe, does that answer your question? I'm not sure, but I got some other questions below that, so I'll, go, I'll move on. Um, free probate lease for Sacramento County at carmichaeltimes.com, where you where you get probate leads. Okay, thank you, Mark. So you get free probate leads in Sacramento County. Do those do those leads tend to have phone numbers and mailing addresses and or emails or what, what kind of data are you getting at those free leads? Am I sharing? Do you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's basically just, you know, notice a petition to a minister of state, just the same up and down California. Okay. Um, basically Carmichael times is only for the unincorporated area of Carmichael, not maybe once in a while, the, the whole County of Sacramento, but, I'm seeing just specifically for the town of Carmichael in Sacramento County. So that's basically okay. where I'm focusing in. Nice. That's just like a, it's like a, it's a free newspaper online. I just found it just searching. What, what I did on Google is key in probate plus real estate plus California. And then periodically every day, you'll just start getting you know, generic stuff. You know, I mean, it's, it's nice. good to read through what's going up and down California, but Basically, that's how I got that, carmichaeltimes.com. I mean, it's a free publication. It's online. Comes out every week. Um, nice. But for me is, does the estate, do they have other properties up and down California? I mean, how can I help you with besides nice. besides Sacramento County? Do you have anything in Placer County? Placer County, do you have anything in Carmelian Bay, which is very expensive Tahoe, Tahoe property? Do you have anything up north, Butte County, Alturas County, you know, stuff like, you know, or south, uh, Indio County, San, you know, go on and, you know, just start talking and let them, nice. you, you start asking the questions and just let them fill in the blanks, then go from there. Nice. Yeah. Well, well good job. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, free permit leads in the part of Sacramento County. Very good. Um, okay. Rama, my full authority probate active listing in Mountain House. So, so, uh, uh, Rama has a, a new listing he just took the other day in Mountain House, California, which is Northern California. And he has the details of the chat box, 1510 South uh, Barker Street, Mountain House, California, 95391, four bedroom, three bath. List price, $899. Open house on Saturday and Sunday, 2 to 5. Contact Rama Dittakavi, D-I-T-T-A-K-V-A. Details in the chat box. Congratulations, uh, Rama. I think that's your first or second probate listing you told me, so congratulations. Um, William Lane asks, who else is in San Diego County? We got a bunch of people in San Diego, so chat box, guys should hook up. Um, so affidavit of death intestate, no will, fine, using the referee for the appraisal. You know, the problem, Joe, the problem with the probate referee, generally, I, I find them really easy to work with. You can call them, their, their name and phone number uh, and email is public if you search it, uh, that's part of the process. And, and I do find that uh, when I reach out to them in a professional way, they're very responsive. My general policy is to send them an email. Hey, I'd like to talk to you about this. And I call them so they know what I'm going to call about. 
And oftentimes they have a property that they're appraising for 500,000. They don't know inside is completely thrashed. When I go through those details, they'll update the report sometimes and lower the price. So I find them very easy to work with. So your question here is if they die in test state, no will. Question is, is it full or limited authority? Because if it's full authority, it doesn't matter what the appraisal comes in at. If it's limited authority, then you're stuck selling it for no less than 90% of that report. And uh, though sometimes I put in the market, wait 30 days, document, it's been on the market. I show them no offers. I, you know, I send them no offers, no showings, no this, no that. And they'll revise the report after a period of time. So I find they're pretty easy to work with as far as getting it uh, uh, corrected. Is there a time frame? Uh, this is from uh, Joanna Ling. Is there any time frame for reappraise a property if one of the owner passed away? So you are required to get a, an appraisal on date of death. And then that appraisal is good for no more than one year if you're trying to sell the property. Now, sometimes they have to get an appraisal on the property when they bought the property for tax reasons. So most commonly, they'll get an appraisal done at the time of purchase and they'll get one done at the date of death. And as long as you close escrow within a year, that appraisal can be used all the way through the sale process. But the, the appraisal is gonna be required for when they bought the property and then the date of death to make the assessment. Um, I'm sorry, that's not right. Date of death and within one year of sale would be the two dates that they need to have. Sometimes you have a case where the decedent died long ago uh, and sometimes it's, it's uh, uh, very recent. Joanna says, any license appraiser? No. A, a probate referee is a separate legal title and uh, you have to apply if you want to be approved in that panel through the county to be approved. But you, it, it is not any license appraiser. This is a very common mistake. The states will order an appraisal. Now, if you want to order an appraisal to understand what the value of the property is, okay, that's what, that's what an appraisal is. Doesn't mean that's what the property will sell for. Keep in mind that an appraiser takes uh, the most three, uh, you know, most commonly, the three most similar comparable properties. Well, in today's market, what you're saying is three houses that sold today uh, is, is August 5th. So you're saying they could take three houses that are between um, uh, May 5th and February 5th that closed in that time period, three to six months. Well, we know that prices since May uh, and February uh, have done what? Gone up or down, anybody? Generally speaking, they've gone up. And as I always say to the set, you know, I have a, I'll have a buyer's agent call me and say, oh, well, we have comparables and, you know, the comps are 800,000 and my house is at 900. And I say, well, if you think this house is worth the same as those, go knock on the door of those people and see if they'll sell the house to you. And the answer is no. They bought it and they thought they got a good deal back in February, March. They, it was competitive back in February, March or April. They had 10, 20, 30 offers they had to beat out to get that property. They had to pay over the price of value at that time to get the property. So the praise value, you have to realize, is a specific you know, usage. It's meant for lenders to protect them and lower the loan, the loan to value kind of artificially. It's not meant to be an assessment of the value of the property today. Um, the probate referee does a drive-by appraisal. They don't go in the property. They don't really consider, or I should say, they don't know the condition of the property. They're comparing it to similar properties. And so what I can do is show pictures of the inside of my property and pictures of the inside of the comparables he uses from the MLS and say, look, these two or three were all remodeled and are livable. And mine completely has to be gutted and my buyer's expecting to spend 60, 80, 100,000 dollars. 
And so that's where the probate referee, in my experience, if you give them the data, will make an adjustment based on that. But if you just call them and complain about it, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to be bothered with that. Um, okay. And Jesse is in San Diego. Great, Jesse. Both an MBA and with Fathom Realty. Welcome, Jesse. Um, Frank says, I noticed no supposed action is sent to heirs and is not for the benefit of creditors. Notice to creditors is a separate item that is publicly published in a newspaper, et cetera. Okay, I mean, yes, you're technically correct, uh, Frank, but what I meant to say is, if you file the notice proposed action, the creditors are gonna find out about it. So they're not gonna get served with it, but if you have a creditor who's owed money, uh, and as a result of that, there might not be money to pay him. Now, probate mm -hmm. almost always ensures that all creditors are paid before any money is distributed. But um, again, uh, you're technically correct, and I, I misspoke. The notice proposed action may not be required to be served to creditors, but when it's filed, the creditors are going to know about it because that's what they're, they're on the case and they're going to get notice of everything that is um, uh, proposed. Okay, um, I think that's all the questions I have. I have one from before. I thought it was a good one too. Um, I got a question from Jamie G. She's a colleague of mine at VXP. She says that if it's a limited authority, does the buyer need to put 5% down? Now, this is a common misconception. On full authority, the state can sell to whoever they want on whatever conditions they want to, as long as nobody objects. You know, if they object, the court can either say, well, we'll approve your sale as is, or we need to consider it. We have to confirm it. If they confirm it, they, there's rules for the court. When it's limited authority and needs court approval, uh, that's where the rules change a little bit. And I think oftentimes they're misunderstood. I think they're misunderstood by agents. They're misunderstood by many attorneys. And, I, and I've seen them where they're being misunderstood by judges. So the law reads that if a sale is being confirmed in court, Anybody can walk in and offer to buy that property on the spot, waiving all contingencies, as long as they raise their offer over the current offer. So the court's considering a $500,000 property. Anybody can walk in at the appropriate time, as long as they're offering 5% plus 500 more. So in a $500,000 sale, it's 525,500 and they have a cashier's check made out to the estate for a minimum 10% of that, and they're waiving all contingencies. Now, that's hard to do sometimes, right? 10% cashier's check, cashier's check made to the estate, you have to have it the day before, and waiving all contingencies, most buyers won't do that. So obviously, this is designed to prevent an estate from selling a property on the cheap. Now, the, what we would call the original buyer whose sales being confirmed theoretically at court, how much money do they have to put down to buy the property? It's an interesting question because the, the notice of the sale, the terms are published in a newspaper. And this is where a, the, oftentimes attorneys, I think, and agents get tripped up. You don't have to require that buyer to put 10% down. Of course, you can. And you don't have to require them to put 10% down right away. You could use a standard 
earnest money deposit of 3% and give that buyer time to waive conditions. And then when they waive conditions, either have them, now they're wet or have them raise their deposit if you want you to really tie them in tight to the property. Obviously, as we all know as agents, the less hurdles, the more likely you are to get a buyer to agree to it. And so there's some agents and attorneys who mistakenly think that any offer on the property has to be no contingencies. That's not correct. You can give the original buyer contingency time. And any buyer, they think any buyer has to put 10% down prior to the filing of the court documents. That's not true. It might be the best thing to do to tie the buyer in. You, the other thing though is the buyer, the new buyer only has to match what the old buyer put in. So you might want to make it 10% so that buyer has to come in with 10% cash because if the current buyer is only putting 3% down, you create a, there's a confusion in the law that you might get away with, hey, he only put down 3%, so we'll put down 3%. And the truth is the law says you, you need 10%, but many judges and attorneys will allow it to go by by matching what the other buyer did. But I, when I read the code, it's pretty clear, it's anybody 10% has the right to, to overpay. Another common mistake I see made on those is, well, anyhow, that answers your question is, uh, answer the question, which is, does the buyer need to put down 5%? They can put down 100 bucks in open escrow. And then when they waive contingencies, raise it to 3% or 10%. That's all negotiated at front. And I encourage agents, when you list property that's, that's limit authority, there's no reason to acquire 10%. There's no reason to acquire no contingencies, unless that's the way you want to sell the property. Okay, uh, got a note here. Um, Repeat that. Sabrina, repeat what? All that? Yep, okay. I'm not sure what, um, what that means. Sabrina, if you're there, I'm glad to, I'm not sure what you want me to repeat. Um, Mark says, let's because they are legal. If the permit's list is full authority, no court confirmation required, it should be listed in remarks, court confirmation may or may not. That's a good point. Mark uh, is right. Yeah, it, it's interesting because literally just today a listing came out or yesterday when my buyers was looking at it. And it says uh, court may not be required. That's the proper verbiage. Why is that? Anybody want to guess why would court may not be required better than court not required? If you have full authority, why would you put court may not be required instead of saying court won't be required? Anybody guess why? Anybody want to guess why? No? Because, because if somebody objects, so you have, if, if court's you know, full authority, and then you file notice of, of proposed action, and one of the errors or anybody, a creditor, anybody can object to the sale. Anybody who sees the notice is being filed with a court, means anybody's gonna see it who follows the case, can object. Now, once you object, now the court gets involved. I don't know if you wanna call that court confirmation or not, but the court has to, has to evaluate the objection and more often than not, they'll schedule a hearing for somebody to bring their evidence, why are you objecting? And they'll have them file a reason why, and then the, the state will file a reason why not. Exactly. So yeah, Frank, you're right on. So um, the answer is that the right verbiage for a full authority is court may or may or may not be, uh, may not be required. And if you read the uh, probate addendum and they say, you're right, that's the verbiage they use. So you just copy and paste and use the same verbiage that's in your, your listing document or in your uh, purchase contract. Um, so that's the right verbiage. It sounds shady. And in this case, the uh, agent is actually also an attorney, one of the best in LA. 
and really knows his stuff, I assume I've already known, he's, he's not being shady, he's not trying to mislead you, the opposite, he's being clear that he's correct, that, may not be, uh, that it may not be required, we expect it not to be, we hope it's not going to be required, but it's certainly possible if an objector steps up. How is it work if property is in a living trust? One passed away, the other passed several years later. How is a property assessed? You put access, but I think you mean assessed. If you need to assess within a year, then will you do two reassessments? So you asked a couple of questions. Uh, trusts are handled differently than probate. Uh, and as far as assessments, technically you get a free step up. So it depends who the parties are, if they're spouses or they're not related, that would have an effect on that. But, when, but certainly within spouses or uh, uh, immediate family members, of course, those laws just got amended this year, so I don't know the newest laws. But when, when somebody passes, you, you get a step up based on their date of death. So if, if two uh, spouses die uh, in the same year, uh, yeah, you might need two different appraisals to prove the, the, the time period. But again, in a trust, you don't need to do an appraisal unless you want to document the file. Sometimes I've had Lawyers call me and ask me for a broker price opinion, and that's sufficient documents for them to make a tax basis. As one of, the, as one of my accounts once told me, you can write up anything you want, it's defending with IRS in case they complain, that's the issue. Um, okay, uh, Sona asks, what was the website for the list of resources? So, and she's asking that, I think she's watching on uh, LinkedIn. Thank you, Sonia, so, I think it's Sona. So um, I do have a website, uh, thelaprobateexpert.com, thelaprobateexpert.com, on the far right side of probate resources. And if you click down there, I have some data and other resources, meetings and such, you might find helpful. That's at thelaprobateexpert.com, okay? Uh, the, and of course, that is my website, to be, to be full, sure about it, thelaprobateexpert.com. And if you uh, go to the far side, of that on the right side, you'll see probate resources, and that will have um, links to various data and resources, hopefully in helpful forms. The LAprobateExpert.com, Sabina. Okay, I think that is all the questions I have uh, got so far. Any last questions, comments, issues? Upcoming, we have a couple of really exciting guests coming up. I have a great probate attorney. She was on a few months ago from Orange County. I'm really excited about having her. And then I have a, um, on Tuesdays, I have a next, not next Tuesday, the following Tuesday, I have a um, attorney who specializes in partitions, which is when two parties own a property, one wants to sell, one doesn't, what do you do? And he's the attorney who helps decide what that looks like. So, okay, I don't think I have any other questions. Unless I see something here, I will, um, I appreciate you guys being on the call and helping out today, as always. Uh, Winston and Mark, thank you in particular for your uh, participation, and Alex, and I know I'm putting a couple people here who participated, but thank you for making it special. Again, the purpose of this is to work together, so I appreciate your input and questions, and always want to try to answer them. If you're watching this later online or in YouTube, feel free to put questions and comments there. I do my best to either answer them there or bring them the next week on the next call. So this is probateweekly.com every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And on Tuesdays, we do realestateinvestingzoom.com. That's Tuesdays at 3 o'clock Pacific, and that's at 6 o'clock Eastern. And you can sign up for that. We also email out the links to that. So thank you so much for participating. I'm Bill Gross. If I can help you in any way, uh, feel free to call and text me. And make this week and this 